أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد كتبنا في الزبور من بعد الذكر أن الأرض يرثها عبادي الصالحون إن في هذا لبلاغا لقوم عابدين وما أرسلناك إلا رحمة للعالمين قل إنما يوحى إلي أنما إلهكم إله واحد فهل أنتم مسلمون فإن تولوا فقل آذنتكم على سواء وإن أدري أقريب وإن أدري أقريب أم بعيد ما توعدون إنه يعلم الجهر من القول ويعلم ما تكتمون وإن أدري لعله فتنة لكم ومتاع إلى حين قال رب احكم بالحق وربنا الرحمن المستعان على ما تصفون بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين جزاكم الخير الشيخ عيسى فور انفايتمي مزاحان شيخ شيخ وزن يا صافي اي جاست تو عيسى تول مي ميبي 10 مينتس اغو اوف نو اغو كوم اون ذا سيكند لاست ويك مان كوم اون ريمايندد مي اكشولي دي تو جيف ا شورت ريمايندر It just came to my mind an ayah from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an ocean of knowledge. Uh, ayah number 43 from Surah Al-Ahzab. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said just before that ayah, Ya ayuhal ladhina amanu dhkuru Allah dhikran kathira wa sabbihuhu bukratan wa asila. هو الذي يصلي عليكم وملائكته ليخرجكم من الظلمات الى النور وكان بالمؤمنين رحيما سبحان الله this ayah we read it all the time and just a few weeks ago it came to my mind I thought about it for a while and I found that it's full of lessons I want to share some of them with you uh, number one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the believers to remember a lot or to mention his name a lot 
and the believers only. This command is directed to the believers. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot. And glorify him. Bukratan wa in the mornings and evenings. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, He is the one who pray for you. Now the word in yusalli in Arabic language, as you know, it's mentioned in a present verb. We call it in Arabic fa'al madari, which indicates continuity. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously yusalli alaykum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yusalli alaykum continuously and the word salah in Arabic language have different meanings sometimes mean it's opposite to la'na because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the surah he mentioned in Allah al-kafirin and he pray for the believers so it's opposite to la'na well, what I believe what I think what I understand from the salah here it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prays the believers and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring them closer to him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maintain them and give them. That's the meaning of salah. To all have all these meanings. Praise, bring them closer, and maintain them. Continuously. We salli alaykum. Wa malaikatuh. Wa malaikatuh also pray for you. Now everybody will think, well, the, the prayer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient. But why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention his angels also? And we know that the angels are obedient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them uh, to obey him. And they are, they are sinless. Can we say sinless? Without sin. Completely. They are completely obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the question, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned his angels? And why the angels who are perfect, who are completely obedient, pray for somebody like us, who are sinful? Have a lot of mistakes, have a lot of problems. I think we, we, we can take from that that no matter how pious you are, how good you are, how close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't be proud. But always remember those people who need, to have, uh, need your help. Don't look down to the other believers who maybe have less knowledge or less status than you. Instead of looking down at them, pray for them. Help them. Help them get out from what they are, any, from their uh, misguidance. Uh, it's like the statement of Abu Aliyah when he passed by some people criticizing a man who was sinful and he said why are you criticizing him? they said he is sinful he said well if you, your friend or brother fall in a, a well what should you do? should you help him to take, come out or should we just start standing up criticizing him? so the angels pray for the, the, the human being and also this would remind us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his and uncomparable between the there's no comparison between the creator and the creation and yet he mentioned his angels and he said I and my angels pray for the believers this is to show that the intercession of other believers are acceptable and we believe that the, the prophets interceded the pious people interceded the believers that's why we make dua to each other and we pray Janazah for the Muslims when they pass away is a kind of intercession and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi has so many intercession for his ummah one of them is the major shafa'ah and the day of judgment. وَالَّذِي يُصَلِّي عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ And that's an amazing thing. 
Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ So you, he will take you from the darknesses or many darkness to the Lord, to the Lord. Which means that he prays for us and his angel while we are st- still in our darknesses, in the darkness. And subhanallah. Just simply because uh, if a person is a believer, if he just make this step, step, and he go inside the daira or the circle of iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angel will continuously pray for him. So he will be eventually get out from the dar- from many darknesses to the light. But with two conditions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said before. He said to the, he said to us, Ya Ahladin Amrullah, Dikran Kathira. And number two, the Iman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya Ahladina Amun. So we need two things. We need the Iman and we need to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time and, t- and mention his name. And I think it's a very how can I say it? Maybe maybe cannot say it, but it's like a, a very beautiful reminder from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want you to remember me or my, mention my name. I created you. I gave you everything. I don't need your praise. I don't you need your salah. But remember that already I pray for you. He said, he is the one who prays for you. So why don't you pray for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why don't you remember him? Why don't you thank him? He is already and his angels continuously pray for you. While you are stay still in your darknesses. And then at the end of the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the reason of all this. He said, All these things because he is all merciful with the believers. So once a person is a believer, then he will enter in this great, I don't know, great honor, great fortune, something which nobody can describe, nobody can imagine, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels pray for you. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those people who are believers and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorify him in the morning and in the evening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> Um, okay, so Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Before we uh, start the actual lesson formally, um, I, some folks asked me to clarify a few points which are topical and relevant and important, so I thought I'd do that. Um, the, uh, the issue of, of um, is the issue concerning insulting the Prophet. Um, you know, to insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ayatihi wa rasulihi okay, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, Surah Tawbah kuntum uh, tastahzi'un yani is it Allah qul abillah 
وآياته ورسوله كنتم تستهزئون لا تعتذروا فقد كفرتم فعد إيمانكم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it a very very clear statement that say O Muhammad sallallahu to those around you that is it Allah and his signs and verses yani the Quran his deen and his messenger that you are making fun of that don't make excuses don't 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 blag it yani don't try to justify yourself you have indeed disbelieved after your belief after your faith that you claim to have your claim that I am Muslim just chuck it in the bin you have disbelieved there's lots of discussion about this ayah and the levels and so on and so forth but the specific nature uh, of the Prophet وسلم, is a very very sensitive one um, he's a very sensitive one because uh, for every reason I don't need to I, don't, I mean you know I don't need to really emphasize that but I just wanted to um, bring it down to what actually can be seen as istihza istihza yani, or to make fun of can be of a number of aspects and of course when you draw cartoons of the Prophet Sallallahu well let's take it back when we look at this from an Islamic point of view you would look at it um in its best light, and then you would then make qiyas upon it. So let's just say that we had some kind of professional artist, you know, serious, proper, paid uh, guy that we wanted to do a job for us. Okay? And the best that there is, with no mal- malice or mal- or bad intention whatsoever. And we asked him to draw a picture of the Prophet ﷺ. Okay? So the exact opposite of a cartoon, a, a lifelike figure. So first of all, you need to know that there is a consensus of the scholars based upon the general and the general text of Islam, not specific evidences, okay? What we call al-istiqra' or tatabu', meaning that the general mafhum, the understanding of the principles. And we said that ijma' is something which in itself is a source of evidence. Don't forget that. So it's Quran, then it's Sunnah, and then the, the, the ijma' of the companions doesn't necessarily need to have a specific ayah or hadith. It's their general understanding of the spirit, the general precepts of the deen. Uh, that it is forbidden to draw the Prophet Okay? And that is because we will never be able to recreate him despite all of the details that we have, despite that we know Al-Hasan used to be so much like him and that's narrated in authentic, despite the fact that we know that from his family, Ja'far, used to resemble him in an incredible way and despite the fact that we know a number of other companions and tabi'een, they were described as being very similar to the uh, the, the image of the Prophet ﷺ, despite the fact that the Shama'il of Imam Tirmidhi uh, goes into such immense detail and if you look at Manawi and all of the other ulama who made the Sharh of the Shama'il uh, or the Shuruh of Shama'il you will f- see even further details being going in to the, you know, to the earlobes to bodily markings and so on and so forth yet despite that no one ever tried and no, no one ever attempted uh, to draw the Prophet ﷺ because you'll never be able to achieve it. You'll never be able to achieve it. The second uh, point is that actually drawing in principle is something which is impermissible, Aslan, yani, to produce a, uh, a lifelike image and then drawn in principle. And when we allow it for the uses that we have, we're, we're allowing it for exceptions, meaning for use or benefit or this or that. A third point would be that whenever you draw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, okay, you risk belittling him. 
So the first one might just be like a, a, an attempt, you're not going to get it right. That's not necessarily belittling. But then going ahead and then drawing him, knowing that you're not going to get it right, is a belittling of the Prophet Sallallahu and an insult to the Prophet Sallallahu And this, of course, will have levels. So I'm now referring to something which is being done in a profession, like a police uh, identity fit, or identity, what were they called? identity kits, what do they call that? E-fit. E-fit, yeah, that whole process where they get the professionals in and describe it in a specific way. I'm talking about someone like that, okay? So what then of someone who does it in a cartoon fashion with no intention to try and make it accurate in a caricature, in a manner which they know has nothing to do with the Prophet Sallallahu This is yani, beyond uh, uh, the, the pale, just right there, once they've gone into cartoon land. They might cancel out the, the prohibition of number two of drawing because uh, uh, the scholars are much, uh, much more lenient when it comes to the drawing or the illustrating of things which are not real. Okay? Uh, I don't want to get into the fiqh of pictures, that's a massive area, but there's a basic principle that when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the painting or, or drawing or whatever, or designing of those things which are, not, which are fantasy and well-known, then the majority position is that it's something permissible, certainly the position that I hold, okay? Um, that doesn't, not a real-life person, real-life animal, real-life kind of thing. So yes, you might be able to escape that if you go for a cartoon, but then what's the intention behind the cartoon? You're not even attempting to, to portray the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then to take it to the third level, then to put that cartoon in a manner which is joking about Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then again, it's beyond the pale. And then there is actually a further level. The, the picture which was uh, tweeted and Facebooked and this and that, all over the place. This picture actually was theoretically just, you know, just the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and, and Isa Islam just standing there, okay? Indulging in some kind of, I don't know, some kind of conversation of some sort or whatever. Uh, 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 all three levels have been achieved, okay, of beyond the pale. The reality which we know is that apparently, I haven't seen this, this picture is part of a series of other pictures that are, are, are yani beyond uh, insulting. They are fabrications, lies, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, haram things being done with the, with the characters. So anyone, and the reason that scholars prohibit things, you can add this as a reason for or as a, as a reason to encompass all three reasons that I mentioned, is because once you open that door, once you open that door to these kind of things, then this is what you invite. You allow people then to put forward their ideas and opinions, and you will then have everyone then having a free reign on what happens to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his izzah, and um, and it's 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 for this, and and we can see now it's free, it's completely free season, open season, on everyone just doing what they want and just drawing any old mm-hmm. picture and then putting the name of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam there, and then. Uh, making it out to be in some kind of way insulting and so on and so forth. So I want to say to you that this is complete. This is I- completely impermissible at the basic level. And once the istihza, once the insult and the joking gets involved, then this becomes kufar, and a person has left the deen like that, and he is either of three states, unless he is utterly, utterly ignorant. And of course, when people have been warned, advised, told, prevented, then you cannot then cl- claim ignorance. Then a person either is apostate, uh, a murtad, or a person is munafiq, which is worse. 
he is a hypocrite outwardly saying I'm Muslim internally uh, not or he's worse than those two which is a heretic which is Zindiq which is the one who actively works against the Muslims actively and so we know of course that uh, uh, that uh, uh, that this is the nature of the people who who do these kind of things and I, I, I want you to know that what's important is that someone who would promote this kind of material and make statements to the to the like of that you know what it is I don't find this offensive and I find Allah bigger than that as well to not find it offensive okay speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like that and speaking about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran in that kind of manner, this is the speech, the speech. This is the speech of people who are of the the speech of Zandaqa. Yani it's the speech of heretics. Not the people, not the not the speech of the of the Muslims, not the speech of the people who know the limits of Islam. As for specifically applying the ruling of calling a person kafir, murtad, whatever, whatever this is un, this is not possible to do based upon material and 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 what someone tweets and so and whatever. So we shouldn't go up to individuals and say to them that you are murtad, you are munafiq, whatever. We say this is the statement and the nature and the state of someone who's like that. It has to be individually judged upon a person in a clear sitting where there is no doubt of any kind of misunderstanding, where there is where all possible excuses of ignorance are dispelled, where a person is not following some crazy odd opinion in fiqh, this, that. Yani, every possible excuse needs to be extended whether you like that person or don't like that person. That's an absolute condition. And that's, of course, something for the scholars to do. And they sit down and then they would clarify that. So we, I just want to say that in this whole episode around this chap and the Quilliam Foundation and, 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 and their likes, okay, I want to say to you that it's actually not very important what he or they are because everyone knows what he and they are. They don't represent the Muslims and they don't represent Islam and they don't speak like the Muslims. So that's the end of it. We don't need to go and tell them that they, they do this on purpose. They revel in that. They, uh, and they also, not only do they revel in it personally, but actually it's the source of their livelihood as well, which adds another dimension to it. We need to understand that. I mean, uh, ultimately people want to make money for themselves or support their families and they make a decision how to do that. Once you have gone into an area, then you have to defend yourself in that area because that's your funding, that's your livelihood. And so it's a job for these people. And so therefore, they're going to continue regardless. It doesn't matter. It's not just misguidance, but it's now actual, you know, holding on to your, your, your livelihood. And so I want you to understand that people need to uh, not waste their time with such characters. They are, they are, as I described earlier on today, they are not, it's, we're, losing, we're, we're wasting time calling them heretics and you are careful, you are this, that. These are professional heretics, okay? They are professionals or zandaqa, okay? And this individual is a professional zindir. These terms actually are irrelevant in terms of actual popular. Yeah, when I say zindir, I don't mean that I've sat with him and I've declared it. It's irrelevant. When I say the word professional heretic, I mean that it doesn't even matter to him or to me actually what he is. I don't care, neither does he care. What's more important here is that he's playing the game and he's playing you, he's playing the Muslims, he's playing the non-Muslims, he's playing the government, he's playing everyone to make sure that he ascertains for himself money, funding, status, fame, everything, all that we know. And so therefore, and that area, that area, and the reason I make this point is that when you're in a country like this, in a country non-Muslims, then of course the Islamic rulings become um, 
they don't, they don't become irrelevant, but in terms of the consequence of the ruling, because there is this not a Sharia state, then we don't want to waste our time discussing the Sharia details. What, yani, what is he? What should punishment should happen? So this is irrelevant. Yani, waste of time. Silly talk. Okay, we live under the law of this land, and maybe it's not even illegal. And that's of course why people would do it. If it was made illegal, you would never do something like that. Okay, if it was made illegal, but it's because he has been given the permission to do that, and he has the he has the uh, the 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 arrogance to take on Allah and His Messenger and the Muslim community that he does that. Okay? What I want you to know is that our concern shouldn't be with the Islamic aspect and the religious aspect. He is playing us in politics. He doesn't care about the religious side. And he wants to draw us in on the religious side. Because he knows that the community themselves weaken themselves the more they keep using religious arguments and reacting religiously. Because when we react religiously, it's always in a mess. Wrong sounds, wrong voices, wrong statements, reactionary, angry, and so on and so forth. Whereas what he's doing is playing politics and he wants us to play religion. What we should be doing is play politics with him as well and play politics with these people as well. And it's important to ignore. It's important to be able to turn away and, 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 and uh, uh, control one's anger and desire to write something back against whatever so that they can uh, use it against you. And you know these people, when I say they're professional, they will turn anything around. You could say, you know what, have a banana, right? You could say to Majid Nawaz, have a banana. He'll say, oh... Oh, it's a death threat. He's told me I'm gonna, he's going to stick it down my throat and choke me with it or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? They'll be, able to, they'll be able to change anything into a death threat. Okay? So uh, when you're dealing with a professional like that, it's just best to avoid making statements, making yani, anything like that. And so I have got an idea which I'm going to maybe look at tomorrow actually on this whole death threat thing. But anyway, uh, if I get the time. But the... the uh, uh, so I just want to say that my personal advice is that we need to be more clued up politically, socially, culturally. Understand the game that he's playing. And, and, I, and I didn't want this to come across because I know that everyone is forwarding around the petition which is saying to get rid of him as the PPC, the prospective parliamentary candidate for Hampstead and Hilburn. Okay? Um, and often the people who write things like that are good religious Muslims who don't have the political nows to understand what's going on. To, uh, who don't appreciate the political realities and, and uh, consequences of, of asking for certain uh, things and demanding certain things. And, and I'll just give you just a few random points off the top of my head just to give you an example. For example, removing... Uh, this, is, this is... Again, we're not talking about religion now. We're talking politics. Okay? Politically speaking... Who's to say that Majid Nawaz isn't uh, the better candidate to be in that position? It's arguable. I don't think he, he is, but it's arguable. Uh, politically speaking, who's going to put local politics ahead of international politics? The Zionist who's there at the moment, and he's hardcore Tory, okay? He's not interested in, in, in working with Muslims at all. I made that very clear. So then the other uh, candidate that's likely to win is this Tulip, uh, whatever her surname is, the uh, niece, I think niece or something, niece of uh, Hasina, the president of, or prime minister, whatever she is, of uh, Bangladesh, okay? Complicit in genocide of, of thousands of Muslims. Complicit. Supporter of the Iraq war, okay? I'm just putting it out there. If you're going to play a political game, who do we support? The one who, and this is like when we have a homosexual candidate, 
when we have a candidate that's shown some very very bad uh, press to uh, this is this is like the candidate who is you know anti-war anti-foreign policy blah 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 but has voted against the local mosque in his constituency he's hurt the muslims locally he's saved them he saved them on the international scene or worked for them maybe working for palestine or whatever like the guy miskin who was killed in afghanistan delsin yeah all right people think oh we got a great you know we got another taliban or whatever whoever did it you know, that's another badge of honor to us. We got a, you know, a politician, whatever. They chose the Yani, one of the very few, five or six Miskeen politicians who are actually pro-Palestinian, pro-friends of Palestine, went out there and worked for the Palestinians. Yani, one of the actual friends that we have in a, a very tight circle of people uh, that are willing to stand up against Zionist kind of advances on the political scene. Who's to say that... Um, like a UKIP uh, or a BMP candidate who wants withdrawal from all of the Muslim countries. You, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stated policy, by the way. They want Muslims out of Afghanistan, out of Iraq, uh, uh, British army out of Afghanistan, whatever. So, so. But locally, they're going to put pressure upon the people. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Locally, they'll say, ban the niqab, ban the mosques, ban this, that, whatever, whatnot. Whose interest comes first? Now, in my opinion, local interest comes first. Okay. But that's, an, that's a political opinion. That's not a religious fatwa. Okay? Who's to say that the thousands of lives that are lost abroad, they're not more valuable. Okay, I don't get a mosque. I'll have to do something else. Maybe I should sacrifice it. What I'm trying to say to you, what I'm trying to illustrate, is that we mustn't be naive. That you thinking and focusing on just one aspect, yeah? He might be Zandir, Murtad, this, that, whatever, hates Muslims, blah, blah, blah. But potentially, we might find a greater benefit for the overall construct, uh, the overall uh, uh, community or external community or somewhere else with him actually inside. Now, I'm not saying that's my position, but I'm just putting the argument forward. That when you make a call to take someone out, you should do it based upon the knowledge, knowing what's the alternative going to be. Also, when you make a call to remove someone, okay, you need to look at what the impact is going to be on that call. You're asking the Liberal Democrats, why are the Liberal Democrats going to listen to the Muslims? when they didn't listen to this entire country for the last two years. Huh? They shamed themselves politically and skanked every single political alliance and everything, whatever. Why are they going to turn around listen to a few Muslims on the side there? Why, why would that happen? And more important than that, okay, how and what is the reaction and what does it show about the, the way of the Muslims in this country? What does it do for our overall uh, 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 status? Think about this. However much we try to and it's clear in the wording, and Jazallah Khair, the brother who tried to write the wording, you can see he's tried to make it as political as possible. It is in, con- in contradiction of the constitution of the federal constitution of the Liberal Democrats party policy that you can't offend, blah, blah, blah. So he's quoting that to try and say, say, show that the PPC candidate is, is going against party guidelines. But the whole, the whole thing is about we Muslims are absolutely outraged and we want him removed Blah, 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 blah. And it shows, however much we tried, it showed that we have the religious issue with this guy. It's a sectarian problem. And that kind of thing in this community, in this country, doesn't wash. And it doesn't wash with the liberals. Because that's the exact opposite thing that they want to see. If we, were be, if we were being politically cute, all right, then we would have said that, hey, you know, uh, uh, if, we were polit- if we really want, if we were, we're really organized and planned, Majid Nawaz has been openly a PPC for two years. For two years. Why didn't anyone try to get rid of him in the last two years? 
Well, are, are, are you thinking that I am ruling on Majid Nawaz and Kulim Foundation based upon what he released in these cartoons? He said far worse more, as far as I'm concerned. Him and his people and his ilk, they've done far, far worse over the last five years of throwing the Muslims under the bus, throwing the Quran under the bus, throwing Sharia under the bus. Yeah? So this is just the I mean, for me it means nothing for you. Obviously, I'm not saying for you, I mean, but for the general Muslim community, because they see the Prophet ﷺ very emotionally attached, you know, oh Gustaka Rasul Yana, oh my god, you know, and, and so for them, oh you know this guy was this guy and his people were out were, uh, uh, you know outside the circle years ago. So the question is that why didn't the community do it at a time where there was no Islamic kind of controversy to link it to? And where it did look like it was a political complaint, at a time where it couldn't make it doesn't make us look reactionary, because we're not thinking politically enough. Why did we not make the argument against him as Dianic Clegg, you're the, the president or the, 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 the head of the Liberal Democrat Party, which stands for liberal values and liberal democracy, and your candidate is in bed with the right-wing conservatives, neoconservatives. He is in conjunction with Douglas Murray. The head of the Quilliam Foundation Research uh, uh, Department is a trustee associate, whatever, of the Henry Jackson Society, which is the founding uh, uh, members of the Student Rights Society, which is the one, by the way, that started this whole gender segregation uh, nonsense and all the other stuff, banning all the speakers. You know all the speakers that you know? All of them getting banned? It's because of the students' rights. Uh, this group called Student Rights. And you might have seen the BBC report on it or Channel 4 reports on it, whatever, that exposed them. That actually... This student group, which is actually pla- uh, pretending to be a student group, is a Zionist, pro-Zionist, freaked-out right-wing group, which is funded from all over the place. Douglas Murray is its founder or head or some nonsense, okay? And they share, they share trustees. They share members. They, so they work together. How, does, how is that compatible with liberal democracy? How, why didn't the people put a, uh, uh, that forward? So I'm just saying... I'm just saying, and, and I am very conscious that people make it out that I'm really, really criticizing the petition or the brothers. No, that's not the case. I'm criticizing us. I'm saying that we need to ignore specific incitement. He's just basically agent <clears throat> provocateur, okay? He's just trying to freak us out and create that kind of that mileage. You don't create the, the hype, create the death threats, create the kind of, you know, to make himself stronger. He has made himself stronger, stronger than ever before. There he has a, one, a, a huge amount of support from people that were not just on the left, but in the middle as well. Okay? It's center politics as well, who are willing to support him because they seem as brave and a martyr and a, a, a cause and this, that, whatever. Proving him right now, proving narratives right that we've been working for years to, to show that is false, that the Muslims aren't like this, the Muslims aren't like that, the Muslims don't respond like this, and suddenly all gone in a week by our reactions. So I'm saying that we need to be cute. We need to understand the game that these guys are playing and play it back. It's not about the ruling. He's murtad. He's to be this. He's to be that. This is the easy part. This is the easy part. This is irrelevant. He wants to play the game in a political manner. We need to play it back in a political manner. And Allah, I mean, I'm not saying don't change this uh, thing. You don't sign the, the, the petition itself. It, it might cause some bestie. It might, you know, uh, you know, maybe you don't know. Nick Clegg is here, by the way. Uh, if you really want to do something, okay. Ignore the, the, the masses and whatever, whatnot. Take Nick Clegg down directly. He's going to be here, I think, on the 7th? 7th. Yeah? In uh, Heritage Centre. Yeah. Is it a free event? Uh, I think so. Yeah? I, 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 will, I will publicize it when it's closer to the dates. Okay? 
But, you know, he'll be there and we should ask him. And don't ask him as a Muslim. Ask him as, a, as, as liberal, democrat polit- policies. What is, yeah, do some research, put it forward and show that we're not some kind of freaking, you know, uh, crazy madman, whatever. We just want to know and understand. Are you, underst- are, you, are you aware of this hypocrisy and this contradiction in your party and your whatever? And uh, just let us know. Nice and polite. Put the pressure on it. So I'm just saying that we need to be just a bit more aware to, to the game. And be careful of uh, how uh, we take the wider Muslim community. And I'm not saying that, that, that I'm 100% right. I could be wrong in all my points. It's, it, at the end of the day, this is difference of opinion, which is possible because this is politics. As Sheikh Abdullah Farr would say, this is not Quran. Huh? This is what Sheikh Abdullah Farr would say. Whenever we criticize him on anything, he says, is it Quran? <laughs> we go, no, Sheikh. So he goes, then what are you criticizing me for? If it's a Quran, then I understand. But if it's everything else, فَالْأَمْرُ فِيهِ سِعَى Huh? Remember these words. Al-amru fihi The issue has ease. It's flexible. Okay? So, uh, it's political. Maybe, maybe you know, there, are, there is some good that will come out of it. Okay, so alhamdulillah. I thought you were finished. You are starting now. <laughs> you know what the message said? The me- <laughs> well, like, well, actually, we, we're very early. I think it's time to finish now. Sheikh, we haven't so even... That was you know, introduction only. Introduction only. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the way, we are... We're only 35 minutes into... The, uh, left? We are... How many left, Shazad? Do, do, one second. How long is normal lesson? Uh, I think... Well, I think 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes? Uh, normal. How long is normal lesson? 75 minutes. Yeah. 75 minutes. Agreed. How long? There is no... One no. hour, 20 minutes. One hour, 15. One hour, 10. One hour, blah, blah. Well, we agreed. Okay, well, t- just you choose. I'm happy. The agreement was 50 minutes. Islam, how, how long? One hour, 25. One hour, 25. Nasser? Hour and a half. What would you like today, Nasser? About quarter to ten. No, no. Quarter to ten, yeah. We've got highlights to watch here. I don't know. What's time highlights on? What's the score, more importantly? One yeah. minute. Yeah. Is it away goes, by the way? Yeah. So we're through. If it stays like this. Johnny Evans. What a guy. You know. Anyway. Uh, are we taking matter? Say custom is done. It's going to be done. It's not done yet. Say custom is done. Who tweeted it? Oh, right, did he? 35. I reckon he's worth it, bro. Allah Jose is clever. Kasmi is playing us. He last week give it, well, United, they can't win squat, blah, blah, this, that. I don't know, Allah, I'm, you know, that's politics. You've got to look and think, what is Mourinho playing at? He's playing a game, Kasmi is. Why would he sell one of the best players to us? Strengthens United for the rest of the games, isn't it? Oh, you mean to take Arsenal, City, the rest down? Oh, shut up, you wouldn't do that. Why not? That's a risk for the next three years then. <laughs> you reckon? I love Jose Mourinho. Gasson. What a player. That's politics there. That, that guy's a politician. If you want, someone said, Yanni, who are the people of politics that we should ask before we write petitions? Ask Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, you ask him. You want any, should, should we write, should we do a petition against Majid Nawaz? Should we do, ask, ask Mourinho. He'll give you the best advice ever. I have two sheikhs when it comes to life. No, I have three sheikhs when it comes to life. Life, life, I mean. Mourinho, 
Okay, Carl Pilkington. Okay, and I have a third new one, Gary Neville. Oh, yeah. Well, I like Gary Neville. He's on point these days, Yara. Did you see, the, last week he was asked, he goes, okay, lose against Sunderland or bestie in, in the final against City in Wembley? So a lot of people are saying, let's lose against Sunderland, isn't it? Because we don't want to have our bestie done against City, yeah, in Wembley. Neville comes out, what are you talking about? Wembley every day of the week, man. Go out there, fright to the wind, put everyone on attack, six on attack, give it a go, in it? We go down, we go down fighting. That's a statement of a warrior, you know? statement of faqeen. <laughs> so that's, that's my three shiuchiani for life. Neville, Mourinho, he used to be Ferguson, but Miskin's too old now, he's, you know, he's, he's finished. Okay, Sheikh, can we do something? Can I just say, right? Someone choose a time. How long do you want the lesson to be? Just tell me someone. Nine o'clock. No, no. How long do you want the lesson to be? No, no. How long do you want the entire lesson? One hour is a lenient day, yes? Would you agree? We are exactly 41 minutes into the lesson today. So I'll give you 19 minutes as special kind of congratulations, okay? For United Ziani, success in Mata, inshallah, and <laughs> Sunderland as well. All right then. So uh, where are we then, folks? You know, uh, actually, I know what I want to talk about. Um, finish up a couple of things. I think that there's a bit of confusion, confusion over the ghusl and al-ghusl and, and, and the concept of washing, at least, okay, and wiping. Because I've been always using my hand, because the Prophet like, because there's no doubt that to use the hand everywhere... Okay, that went wrong. Let me start again. Okay. Wiping, we said last week, there's a clear difference between wiping and washing. Agreed? What do, what, do you, what do you remember me saying? How do you understand it? Forget what I said. How do you guys understand that? What's wiping? Sorry, washing, the water should run. Water, in washing, water needs to run along the skin. We gave a little demonstration, okay? But you see, the problem I think that I was doing is that when I was keep showing that, I'm rubbing my hand. Uh, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so people are probably thinking that the wiping is involved. Now, wiping is a definite wipe of the hand. The hand is wet. The surface underneath is not then all wetened. Because by nature, when you're wiping over something, some is going to be dry, some is going to be wet, some is going to be left, some is going to be not. Do you understand that? Washing does not need a hand. So, theoretically, I'm just talking in theory here, okay? Other than the Maliki Madhab, we'll come to that in a second, okay? In theory, you could get the shower nozzle and go... <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In theory, in theory, you get the tap which is pouring wallet. You know what I'm saying, yeah? Stick the old hand underneath the tap and everything. Maybe a little touch here and there just to make sure. But theoretically, that would be done. This is the three imams. This is the position of the majority of the scholars. The Maliki Madhab, Imam Malik, I, I, when I say the position of the majority, I mean as a minimum I'm talking about, okay? As a minimum. Malikis, they said that no, you need a delk. Now, a delk is basically rubbing, massaging, you know, squeezing, everything. So the water is there as well, and then that's that as well, okay? But they make that a condition. A condition of the washing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm saying to you 
that we do not have any evidence to show to show that the Prophet ﷺ didn't ever do dalq. Meaning that the basic principle is that he would use his hands. The proof of that is because there was no such thing as taps. They could just chill out and just, you know, you know, when you're doing this kind of behavior, I'm telling you now, you are using like a bath full of water. Because you've got that tap on, isn't it? And you wash your hands, yeah? And then your tap's still going, and you're taking it out, and then, you know, whatever, tap still going, tap still going, and then into your nose, tap still going, and then, you know, you've gone like that, it's full up, like within what, one second, your hands are full. And then you've gone over here, and you're doing this, and there's probably about 10 that have just gone down, then you go underneath again, and then you're sticking it underneath, and then like that, and it's still running, and then wipe, and then you stick your foot in, and then, you know, half an hour to lift the foot up, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Huh? These days, custom is hard, wallahi. Honest to God. That's when you know when things are going wrong, when it takes half an hour to get the foot up, and you need to use both hands. <laughs> I made that one up, but I'm just saying, theoretically, it could be that bad. Right, anyway. So I'm saying that obviously that's a lot of water being going. And whenever did the Prophet have ever had that much water? We see the exact opposite. The Prophet made water with this much water. What does that mean? Has to be rubbing involved. There has to be. So what the scholars then said is that it is mustahab, it is the sunnah, it is the perfection of wudu. And we've got to understand that there's a big difference between the, the bare arkan, the bare pillars and obligations. And then what then comes as sunnah aspects and then perfection. Perfection. Wudu is one of those acts that has these kind of three levels. These kind of three kind of aspects. Like I'll give you the example of a hand. The obligation would be done by me sticking my hand and arm all the way underneath the tap, making sure that it covers the elbow and the forearm and my fingers. Obligation done. The sunnah would be to reduce that water and take that water under the tap or whatever, okay, and rub it, okay, yes, yes, what would perfection be? Okay, you know what, let's, just, let, let, let's turn back and say sunnah is do it three times, good. Let's say sunnah is do it three times, wash it yani, properly three times, yeah, okay, what would perfection be? Uh, let's, let's put that in sunnah. But you can argue it could be perfection. But there's one obvious perfection. No, that's part of the... We'll put that as part of sunnah. The hadith of Al-Ghur al what did we say? What would that mean? To go up to that forearm. To go further. Yeah, to go further. And we said, we mentioned this hadith, but it was like three, four weeks down the road, that the companions, they would always rub much, much more up the legs, up the uh, arms, so that higher parts are shining. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So that would be the perfection. That wouldn't necessarily be, we don't have a, a clear evidence from the Prophet ﷺ that he ever did that. Okay? But the general principle is that, Isbaghul Wudu. Do you remember, you guys watched uh, Sheikh uh, uh, Yasser's presentation on the three weeks ago, or whatever, many weeks ago? Um Summit, yeah? When he chose his hadith of Isbaq al Wudu, okay, Fil Makruhat, okay, the the one of the, the the best actions that one can do is to perfect do their wudu perfectly, especially in difficult conditions. So in in especially in difficult conditions. So what then in perfect conditions? You should be doing that. And Isbaq al Wudu means to perfect wudu. And perfection of wudu is to do these little tiny things. 
like go extra, lose little, uh, use a little bit of water, do it yani, with a lot of dhikr and you know, a lot of thought, a lot of you know, uh, presence. You following that folks, yeah? So, I just want to make clear in your mind that un- unless you follow the Maliki Madhab, they, are, they obligate the need for rubbing. The sunnah is to rub everything. But let's say that you didn't have time or you didn't have whatever, it is sufficient for you to do the old whoosh, whoosh, wash. Put your feet in there, you know, not even touch your feet, making sure that it's all soaked. Theoretically, also put your feet into a tub of water, for example, making sure you move it so that water's gone everywhere, there, there and about. That is sufficient. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that clear? We'll come to some details now. Yeah. How come the water will start if you're rubbing it at the same time? How can it be running there? Because the water is what is in contact between your hand and the limb itself. Okay? Whereas when you wipe... At one point, it will become dry. And so the water has not run at that point. Okay? That's, the, that's one point. So, now listen. Uh, I want to go back to a point which was a question on the forums. About nail polish. Okay? Now, as I said to you last week, that I think that all this nail polish nonsense is something I don't accept. And I know that there's people out there that have gone and done uh, some of these new permeable ones that allow the water to go through. They've done these kind of uh, um, uh, studies where they... Uh, get a tissue paper and they put it, they paint the uh, uh, nail polish on top of it and then they, they put the water on and then they put pressure on it and they look underneath the tissue and they see then that the tissue gets wet underneath and if the tissue does get wet underneath then that's a proof that it's permeable. Do you understand the experiment? And other experiments of this nature. And um, my comment on that is that in this, these kind of conditions, when that's recreated, we have to understand that that's being created by a, the tissue being of a certain texture which sucks the water, not yani, the same as our nail, which is not, uh, its structure or texture is not made to suck water. The texture, neither texture, neither the, the, sub, the surface, okay? And the uh, pressure which is applied, because pressure has to be applied to the water itself, which then pushes it through. And then, of course, the time, meaning it needs to be const- consistently and constantly over a small period of time pushed through or pressure applied, and then it seeps through. Then it works on tissue paper. Now, if that can be proved to work on a nail, then it's okay. The, fr- the reality is, who does that? Who stays there? Who's got the confidence that it's going through and stays there for 10, 15, 20 seconds, pushing down the water on the nail for 10-15 seconds to put it through. Who does that? Okay? I don't know. So it's a risky thing. Now, just to add the dimension of this whole washing thing, if there was a woman uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, she said, no, I definitely believe this product works. I've seen all the proof. I've seen all the tests. And then she goes, you know what? I, what I'm going to do is that when it comes to washing my arms... I'm going to stick my hands in the bowl of water for 50, 20 seconds and let it permeate into my nails with this new nail polish stuff, whatever, and then wash the rest of my arm whilst they immersed and putting pressure on it. If she's certain that the water's going through and she puts trust in the company, then that would be theoretically okay. I'm saying it's not happening, folks. I'm not giving permission for it like last week. I don't allow it. I don't consider it acceptable. I don't think it's yani, something which should be done. 
I think that women need to, I know that, you know, women don't like the idea of henna, they see it as a pack thing, yeah, off the boat kind of behavior, right? <laughs> women need to have some more confidence, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe develop their own henna, I don't know. Yeah? Or, and, 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 and that's what they say, I mean, they said that. And there's lots of discussion to that, you know, I think it gets a bit kind of like patronizing. You should only wear nail polish in your uh, menstrual cycle, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't even know where it is with nails anyway. Well, I never ever put anything on my nose in my entire life. No. <laughs> no, no, but why would I though? I don't understand. Why are my nails in any way different to a woman's nails? <laughs> They're longer. They're longer. You know, you can't, but that, I'll tell you straight away, that's against Sunnah Aslan, Yani. You can't have long nails. The long nails, by the way, is applied to men and women. Women are not allowed to grow nails. Fake nails, same thing. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the yani, uh, cutting your own nails and then putting fake ones on? Yani, I don't even, I don't understand. Well, I don't understand. Although fake nails are blatantly better than nail polish. Because you can just take them off, right? Why are they glued? Did they just snap off and snap on again? Because they snap off, then you can obviously, you know, wash the hand and then snap them on again. Shaz? Did they snap Revenge. Revenge is a revenge. Revenge is done in one week only. Well done, Z. That's what I'm saying, bro. So that's my thoughts on on, on that, and uh, that's the point on the washing. Everyone happy with that? The concept of washing and water, and the idea that the difference between mash and ghusl is that it's a, a actual water could by itself get the job done, and. I didn't really go into this now because this really is going to be covered when we do ghusl. Because that's where all the masail come. I jump into the swimming pool with your intention, I want ghusl, I jump out. Is it done? Is ghusl done? Is my wudu done? Am I ready for Jum'ah? <laughs> and that'll be, you know, you'll see. In my opinion, absolutely no problem. But we'll come to that. Correct, correct, correct. What I'm saying is, this, this, the, this is the, the actual that issue is... The fact that it, it's not, no fast left right. Correct, exactly that. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That, that the way that a, a different madhahib describe the nature of how the actual limb must be and how the water, as we said, some say run, some say they must drop off. Some of the madhahib say that it has to be in a manner where when you hold the hand, water drops off and all this kalam. Ultimately, they have no evidence, of course. This is just general understanding of the texts. Okay, The real issue is that the whole thing needs to be completely soaked. Yani, meaning wet. The skin has to be wettened. And I gave the hadith last week and the week before about the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw just the, the qadr of uh, the toenail, this much was left dry, he made him go back. So it's about the skin being covered uh, all thing. And as, uh, uh, other than the Maliki Madhab, which on top of the wetness wants the rubbing done because they saw the Prophet's rubbing as intrinsic to the washing process. Whereas the scholars, the majority, and our position, and the humbly position, and Shaykh Uthameen's position, is that washing does not require the hand. 
Okay, just like in a washing machine, for example, or just like when we soak something into a bucket and then we take it out and then put it into cold water and then take it out. Okay, because you, you see, I, I'm very good at that. Yeah, all right, washing clothes, <laughs> then give it a shake or whatever. That's called washed, isn't it? <laughs> right, all right, then. So, uh, so I think we're at the statement. Wominhu al Uzunan, right? Is that what we are? Wida didn't even yani, give us a heads up today. I don't know why. why. Slacking. Wallah, is that what she said, yeah? She slacked on us today, man. With that, you skanked us. Now we're guessing. We don't even know where we are. Someone got notes? Any ideas? No? Anyone remember? No one got a clue where we are, what we're doing. Say, Qasim, that's 9.15. Oh, no, it's okay. 56 minutes. Okay, we can do this. Uh, is. Okay, and so the translation then is uh, wiping the head. We've done that. With the ears included. The ears are included. I.e. included from the head. Sheikh Al-Uthameen says, alayhi rahmatullah. And the, um, Sheikh Al-Uthameen says, the evidence for that is the continual action of wiping the ears by the Prophet Sallallahu that's what he's saying. He goes, that's the actual proof. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ was never noticed not to have wiped his ears. Do you understand? Whenever he wiped his head, he wiped his ears. So as far as I'm concerned, Sheikh Qutamin is saying, that's the evidence. He goes, as for what the other people say, and the other people meaning yani the majority, okay, they, 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 uh, they mention a had- the hadith, Al-Uzunan min al-Ras, the Prophet ﷺ said that the ears are from the head, and the narration has been given below. Narrated by Imam Ahmed and Abu Dawood in the book of Purification, the chapter of the description of the, the, the wudu of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, number 134, and then Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and all of them. And he says, وغيرهم, many, many of the muhaddithin, they narrated this hadith via a, a, a plethora of paths, and but every single one of them has some weakness. Every single chain that has been narrated by has some kind of weakness. Okay? That's what the muhaqqiq says. Let's just quickly go back to what Sheikh Uthameen says. He says, this hadith that the ears are from the head, the many, many of the ulama, such as Ibn Salah, okay? Ibn Salah was one of the later Shafi'i scholars of hadith. Later. He's not from the early generation. And he wrote a book which is a seminal book in the principles and the studies of hadith, and hadith sciences. Uh, the Muqaddimah it's called. And so he's a respected author, okay? Um, he predates the uh, Ibn Hajar. Yeah, he's, a, he's a giant, okay? And Ibn, Hajar, uh, Ibn Salah said this hadith is weak. And, and uh, they said that all of its, all of its turuq, all of its yani, narrations, all of its paths, and we studied all the paths, yeah? You can go this way, that way, that way, back to the Prophet All of them are wahiyah. All of them are weak. All of them got some kind of issue. Okay, and he and he mentions a real important point. That even that when we were to combine all of these narrations, because they are actually so weak and so much weakness, we can't even raise the ruling to fair. We can't even raise the ruling because it's three. There's da'if, hasan, sahih, weak, acceptable, authentic. We can't even raise it to hasan. This is Sheikh Uthaymin's opinion. The muhaqqiq of the book, he says... That Hafid ibn Hajar said that if we look into the all of these chains, 
it's difficult to not say that the hadith has a basis. It does. Hadith asl, the hadith has an asl, it has a basis. And it is not like how they're saying that it's all so weak and this, that, whatever. And a number of them, وَقَدْ حَسَّنُوا Many of the people, they authenticated this hadith uh, in, this, in this manner. And this is yani, in his book, that, his uh, comments on the uh, work of Ibn Salah. Anyway, not only does uh, uh, Ibn Hajar consider it to be um, acceptable, but also Imam At-Tirmidhi considered it to be uh, acceptable as well. Imam At-Tirmidhi considered it to be acceptable. So inshallah, regardless, we will consider this to be okay. Now, um, I just wanted to show you, and I think that's enough for today to be, to be frank, um, that the, I want you to know that regardless of whether the ears are from the, how you establish whether the ears are from the head or not, in, in principle, okay, in principle, the majority of the Salaf, they did not consider it an obligation to wipe the ears. Okay? The majority of the Salaf did not consider it to be an obligation of, to wipe the ears. The obligation comes later on amongst the Imams. Okay? Because then they, they, they really kind of technically make it part of the head. And of course to wipe the head is an rukan, is an obligation. And therefore because it's part of the head, then it needs to be then done. So I just want to like make a, dis- a distinction in generations. The early, early Tabi'een, Salaf and so on. They were relaxed about the idea. They never obligated it. They used to see it as a sunnah. Okay? Whereas the later scholars of the madahib, they obligated it. And they went informal. And they made the ears part of the head. And you have to, yani, you have to follow the ayah where Allah says uh, to wipe your heads. Okay? So that's, there's a distinction which uh, needs to be made. Also, for those that did consider it to be an obligation... Only one aspect is obligation. So watch carefully, okay? So if we have the ear, okay? Then you have two aspects of the ear. You have three aspects actually, alright? We will call the ear hole. We'll call this the ear hole. We'll call this the inner ear. And we'll call this the outer ear. Is that clear everybody? Yep. So the outer ear will be everything which is on the outside, this edge here, and on the outside that goes around, Okay? And then the inner ear will be everything which is inside. That will be this part here as well. And then the ear hole will be where the finger goes in directly. Alright? It is uh, our position. Position Shaykh Uthameen. Certainly my position. And the position of the madahib. That the obligatory aspect of wiping the ear is the ear hole. What's known as the thaqab. The ear hole itself. So theoretically if a person was to wipe his head... And then stick his hands in his ears, job done. If you were to take the opinion that it's obligatory to wipe the ears. If you were taking the opinion that it's sunnah, then it doesn't really matter. But I mean, obviously I want you to know the Prophet always used to do it. So we should do it. Okay. So the obligatory aspect is the inside. That's the ear. As for everything else that follows, this is ishtihad of the scholars and is considered to be a sunnah. So then you see the most popular position of the ulama is that and there's some variations, but the most popular is that then the ibham, the thumb, it is then wiping the outside. So we would put our fingers in our ears and then go around it using the, you know, this, yeah? Is it all coming across clearly, yeah? Is it coming across clearly on the video? Make sure that they can see this. 
Yeah. So this is what's happening with the ear like that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, if you do like this, how are they going to see? Your hands in the way, isn't it? Yeah, you have to go like this. Oh, okay. But that, that looks crazy. Who's going like that? <laughs> they might think that's how you do it. Okay, so, so I'm saying. Now, there's another version as well, which is that, that not only is the finger going in there, but then the finger is now doing this, the inside of, okay? So the finger now does the inside, and then the outside is done by the thumbs as well. So like a three-pronged approach. In, inside, and then outside. And I'm saying, I don't want to say there's no basis for that, but I'm saying that what, it, what is understood from the ulama is that we have the obligatory, and we have the external part of the ear covered by the ibha. Okay? And that is the... And if one person is to go this way and come back, this is acceptable. And if it is to be done in one manner, acceptable. And if it's to go all the way around, this is acceptable. These are all extensions upon the asal, which is that the, the uh, wiping is done. And it's not washing. And remember that we said that, and we, we covered this earlier, four, five weeks, six weeks ago, about taking water for the ears. What did we say? Sheikh Abdul Fahd, save them. The class is free. Allah, what can we do? Sheikh Abdul Fahd, he's a muqrit. He's a muqrit. When Sheikh says the class is finished, then the class is finished. It is only Ibn Umar that took the water for the ears, nothing authentic from the Prophet ﷺ, meaning that once you have taken the water for the, you've got the water, and now you've gone to the head, and you've done the mas'h, we did mas'h one, or two, yeah, or start from the middle, go back and thingy, or four, come down, okay, once that's done, it's straight onto the ears, there's no evidence to show, back to the water, get the hands wet again, because you're not washing the ears, you're just carrying wiping, Wetness is not a function to clean the ears in the way that you're thinking, you know, proper clean. So that's that. So Jazakumullah Khair. So um, uh, key things are some quick, quick, uh, quick announcements. Uh, Scotland, those folks who are in Scotland, I will be there inshallah on Friday teaching the fiqh of janazah, fiqh of death, everything. That's this Friday in Edinburgh, almaghrib.org. Um, we also have a, uh, a CMA on Saturday here. We have uh, Dr. Shazad. Uh, I mean, giving a, an important talk, and I encourage you guys, if you're here, to make it about mental health and so on. Really important, subhanAllah. And, and not only really important, but he's very good at it as well. If you're in a surrounding kind of northwest area, area Chidul Masjid, 8 o'clock uh, uh, Saturday. Um, and uh, Malaysia, that's in three weeks' time. We'll talk about how we're going to deal with the lessons uh, 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 next week. Uh, that's protect his house in two, three weeks' time. So I'll see all the students online uh, there. And then we have Muslim Aid um, who are um, on Sunday. Okay, so uh, Sheikh Riyad Burzazi and Sheikh Abdurrahim McCarthy, they will be doing Revive Your Soul in association with Muslim Aid. They will be speaking at the CMA on this Sunday after Dhuhr. And that's a free event. And then... And then they will be speaking at the Manzil restaurant on Sunday evening on Berry New Road. Is that free? Do they have to buy tickets for that? 
Right. Okay. So if there's anyone who wants to go to the uh, 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 the evening event, it's a ticket event, and Nasser has the tickets for that. So I'm sure he'll be at the door, and you can ask him for a ticket. The CMA one doesn't require any tickets; just a personal donation to myself. Jazakumullahu khairah. Wa subhanakallahu wa bihamdik shadu Allah ilayhi wa sallam. Wa subhanakallahu wa bihamdik shadu Allah ilayhi wa sallam.